Hey, this is Mathilde Moyel, and welcome to episode number five of the Orgayana podcast. Today, with founder of Orca, Jeroen van der Waal. bag. You shouldn't use straws. Why are you using a plastic cup? Now, this could be quotes from an aggressive zero waste campaign, but actually these are quotes from kids, real kids. My friends, sons and daughters were telling their parents off and showing them the way to help our planet. Now, one person you could be blaming for this, or yeah, okay, correction, thanking for this, is Jerome van der Waal. Because Dutch-born Orca founder is, in a way, using your kids to get to you. Okay, maybe that didn't sound quite right either, but not only does Jerome know that we are very much dependent on our kids to repair the planet, he also knows that their mindsets are a lot easier to change than ours, and their creativity in terms of finding solutions a lot less inhibited than ours. And let's face it, We as parents find it hard to resist a great idea coming from our own children. Now this is why Jerome founded Orca Scuba, to teach our kids about our oceans, but more importantly what we could do to save them through talks and courses at schools and consequently dive trips to Orca sites in Southeast Asia. But Jerome van der Waal didn't spend 25 years in corporate life for nothing. He has much bigger plans with Orca, plans that will not only change the way children in the Western world or here in Singapore are taught, but also through the education of the children in the areas that are truly affected. He is a man with a vision, a man with a mission, a man who wants to change tides. We are excited to invite you along to hear about this journey, ladies and gentlemen, Jerome van der Waal. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Um, have a path that you're pursuing, Jeroen. Your overall statement and title of your book you brought out while starting Orca has been Together We Can Change Tides. And to go a bit more into depth, the mission on your site created, I don't know, a couple of years ago maybe, was to help children and their families fall deeply in love with the oceans, spreading a sense of urgency for their conversation and repair. Is this still your mission or has it changed? Uh, I know you're doing more than this now, so... It, no, it's still my mission, uh, but I use uh, different kinds of uh, instruments and methodologies to, uh, to connect with, uh, with children and to make sure that, um, that they understand what needs to be done to uh, put the uh, planet back in, in the right shape. Um, so that is my overarching mission, right? Okay. Since I became an entrepreneur, I've been taught how important it is to stay focused on your mission. Uh, can we reevaluate our mission, or will we lose track, um, or, or should we literally just follow our passions? What, what's your advice on that one? I, I think you should follow your passion uh, at all times. Um, what happens when you start doing something like this is that you learn a lot uh, on the road, uh, developing your business. Uh, honing and fine-tuning your business model. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happened with, with Orca, um, uh, which started as an escalated hobby project, um, is that along the way, 
um, I only became more convinced that I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped me to um, clarify uh, a very sharp um, business model mm-hmm. and, um, uh, let's say, services and products that I'm developing to support my mission. So it is an ever-changing uh, uh, process, mm-hmm. um, but um, I think um, I stay on course. Right. Um, I know what I want to do, and I know roughly how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. But as I'm developing this business model, I meet many new people, um, new opportunities that add value to my proposition, yeah. and that helps me to make the case uh, stronger. Right. So you said that the mission is still to help children and their families. Uh, it's just not necessarily only the oceans, but but. Uh yeah, the, the the oceans always will stay in the in the heart of Orca. Yeah. Uh, I think there are many people around the globe that are trying to do something good or actively doing something mm-hmm. good. Um, I just love nature and the environment, uh, not only the oceans but land-based uh, things as well, jungles, mm-hmm. etc. But uh, my main focus will be on the oceans. And we're going to talk a lot of more about Orca and also what you're doing with Orca at the moment, which is uh, really, really exciting. Um, but if we can just uh, turn back time a little bit, because before you started Orca, before you started this this project, um, your focus was a different one, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about how yes. your work used to be before you, you ventured into this? Yes, I, I believe that um, many young people, um, children, um, are dreaming um, most of their youth at least I hope they do that and that's what I did Um, so ever since I can remember I was dreaming about um, adventures and about exploration um, about the oceans and about the planet as a whole Um, I read many books about uh, major events that happened in the Roman days uh, during the world wars uh, books about uh, um, uh, Robinson Crusoe, mm-hmm. um, books about uh, cowboys and Indians, yeah. um, and I was just dreaming away all the time. Yeah. Um, we were growing up in a very uh, modest way uh, in the east of Holland, mm-hmm. um, uh, in a farmland area, and um, it was very hard to imagine that I ever would be able to travel around the planet, uh, to dive, to discover the planet, etc., etc. But so, that was actually a dream back then. Yeah, so I was dreaming about okay. that uh, since since I can remember. My yeah. memory goes back very far. <laughs> um, this got especially triggered um, uh, in a tremendous, uh, tremendously powerful way by Jacques Cousteau, mm-hmm. um, whom I was watching in the 70s on a black and white television at home, uh, Wednesday afternoons, the, the schools were off in Holland, and there was a, a program about the Calypso, his boat, and I just couldn't believe what, what, what he was doing, and that was my big, big, big dream. Right. But then when you grow up, and you need to get more serious about life because you're getting older. Uh, you need to assume responsibilities mm-hmm. that you have never never necessarily um, uh, gotten before. Uh, you have to start thinking about education. Um, I would say uh, in, in, in the 80s when I had to make those decisions, the, 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 the information that you got... Uh, from schools was extremely uh, poor. Mm. Um, in Holland, we had to do a clumsy test when we were 16 or something like that, where you had to answer hundreds of questions. And then the result of the test was that they would tell you, oh, you are going to be a good mathematician or an engineer or a doctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then based upon that test, you basically had to choose your university career. Um, my test, I think, didn't have a clear outcome. 
Um, but since I was a boy um, and it made sense for me to study electrical or mechanical engineering, I ended up studying mechanical engineering. Or maybe also the, the, the Jacques Cousteau um, sort of career wasn't really in that, uh, in that test. Yes, <laughs> the, 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 the right answer should have been that I should maybe design expedition ships and yes. explore the world. Yes. And, and maybe also get a master's degree in marine uh, biology. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen. So I ended up studying mechanical engineering and business economics. And as soon as I graduated, I got my first uh, job in a business-to-business atmosphere based upon my mechanical engineering diploma. So I became a business development manager for, for a technical company selling technical equipment. And one thing led to the other. I am competitive. Um, I like to work with people and I like to travel. So I started to develop a career and, and, and very soon became a became a managing director when I was 28 or 29 mm-hmm. for a German multinational in Brazil. And then suddenly you get caught in the uh, red race mm-hmm. where everything is about money, mm-hmm. income, salaries, mm-hmm. bonuses, flying business class. I got married. I got two kids in Brazil with my, with my spouse. And then you have your financial pressures to sustain life, to pay for education, to pay for your mortgage, whatever. And... This turns into like a um, groundhog effect where you end up doing the same thing every day, every week, every month, every year. And the only thing that happens is that, you know, you become maybe more successful. You start earning more money and you get addicted to making more money. Mm. And once you are in that uh, vicious uh, circle, um, I saw many people that were 10, 20, 30 years older than me in similar positions ending up in a very dissatisfied retirement and a few of those guys they would die within a few years after retirement because they didn't know what else to do Mm. with their lives Mm. so that motivated me in my late 30s early 40s to really try to break out of this Mm -hmm. um, resign from the multinational lifestyle and start up my own um, my own business which originally was uh, purely focused on uh, technology and oil and gas okay um and then Orca started as a hobby project. <laughs> and it's definitely not a hobby project now. Um, to talk a little bit about Orca, um, your focus is the kids. Tell us why it's so important for you to focus on the kids. Um, I, I, uh, I still am a big kid myself. <laughs> um, I find it much easier to, uh, to, to, to uh, live in the world of children. Uh-huh. Um, and... and um, uh, work with them or play with them or do stuff with them. Um, the challenge that I uh, have with many adults is that people get stuck in their given ways of how they think, how they work, how they react. Um, and and um, I think many, many, many times um, they become very, very complacent. People get used to a certain lifestyle um, not only because of financial reasons, but you know they need a glass of wine at night or they need to wash their car on Saturday morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is like how they live and how they fill in day by day, week by week, etc., etc. Um, what we need, from my point of view, in 2018 is to show children that they basically have to be allowed and promoted and, and, and stimulated to completely think out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, we are being faced with some very serious uh, challenges on this planet, whether it is the uh, nuclear arms race or the Fukushima explosion or Chernobyl, whether it is the overfishing or the tremendous consumption of plastic. There are 
many things happening at the moment together with global warming mm. that are uh, forming a massive threat uh, for mankind. The positive thing about all of this is that I think everybody is convinced that the planet will survive. But the big question is, what about mankind? Will they mm. survive? And what we are telling our children today in the news is that in 2050 it will all be over. Mm. All the ice caps will be melted. There will be more plastic in the oceans than fish. So this is a very, very grim outlook. Mm. I'm a diehard optimist. Um, I believe that any challenge, any problem can be solved. You should watch Apollo 13, for example. <laughs> uh, there are expeditions that people have led in the past and even in 2018 where people are defying the elements, where they are defying the big problems and challenges mm -hmm. with great creativity and positivism. And that is what I really want to instill in children, to show them that they are allowed to do that, that they have to think out of the box with regards to solutions for this planet. And adults basically should support that as well. And so with Orca, you started, you know, your... your using diving as a starting point um, with, uh, with Orca. Um, it's your passion, um, but you also teach kids and other clients about uh, the marine life and what is destroying it at the moment. Why do you think that the diving angle works so well, uh, especially with kids? Well, what I noticed um, uh, over the years is that, um, you know, our skills to generate... Um, you know, publicity on television, in um, documentaries, um, you know, in um, movies, in science fiction uh, films and stuff mm. like that, uh, increased tremendously over the past 40, 50 years. Um, when I watched uh, the first Jaws movie in 1976, um, I was extremely scared. scared. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was such a scary movie. Mm. Um, when you watch it today, 40 years later, um, it is an absolute fake movie, and it's more like a comic comedian mm -hmm. uh, movie than, 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 than a documentary. When you watch similar movies today that have been made in, in the past few years, mm -hmm. they look much more realistic, yeah. right? So um, children um, um, don't know the difference anymore today between breaking news, documentaries, uh, history channel uh, stuff, etc., etc. It all blends together. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for them to distinguish between what's real in life and what's not real. Yeah. Um, in Southeast Asia, where we live, we have um, uh, in 14 cities, uh, 700 million people that grow up in uh, air-conditioned um, apartment buildings and office buildings. Um, they take um, uh, subways or MRTs, as we call them here, that are air-conditioned, mm. air-conditioned elevators, air-conditioned shopping centers, and air-conditioned apartments. They don't do a lot of stuff anymore outside. Mm. So everything they see comes from television or telephone or a computer screen. Yeah. And we have done an experiment um, with one school where children um, climbed the highest peak in Hong Kong uh, recently. And they were 15 and 16 years of age. And a few of them had never seen a 4 or 5 a.m. sunrise. Um, and they started to cry because wow. they had only seen this on television. Yeah. They grew up in apartment buildings yeah. in big cities, right? And I think this is very dangerous. Um, many young people and even adults don't have a link anymore between where our food and water is coming from 
and what it means to produce um, uh, food and water, right? So what I started to do is I started to take people out diving mm -hmm. because when you go diving, you connect with the elements, you connect with the planet and the ocean. And if you are lucky, you see, see real life. You mm -hmm. don't see it on television, you see it yourself. And what started to happen when we started to take school children out on our um, camp adventures is that they got completely connected and obsessed with real life. Mm. Stuff that they only had seen on television, they now could see for themselves, uh, you know, on the beach, in the jungle and underwater. And I think that is extremely important mm. because that also will motivate them to help us to protect it, right, and to understand where it is all coming from. Well, both that and also, I guess, seeing... Uh, in real life, that the the plastics in the ocean and and what, yeah, is, what is destroying this one. So unfortunately, uh, what happens, of course, but it is part of the education and training that they need, is that we also regularly um, see very bad and poor situations, mm -hmm. whether it is about dynamite fishing, or people dragging anchors through coral reefs, or you know contamination with mm -hmm. plastics and mm -hmm. oil. Uh, I think it's very important that they see it for themselves. Yeah. So one of our key pitches and slogans is that we want to avoid that animal planet turns into history channel, mm. right? Yeah. And they only understand what I mean by that when they go out with us. Yeah. And on top of that, we then have the opportunity to teach children that you can survive for five days without using your cell phone, which oh. is very important <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's a good uh, good side effect. Yeah. Um, but you don't obviously just dive with the, with these kids. You um, teach them at the schools, uh, which is a big part of the whole program. Um, how, does, how does this work, these talks? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, what, what, we, um, what we started to do is, um, it is fantastic to take young people uh, out on a camp for five days or ten days. Um, it's basically a jolly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you spend your time uh, on the ocean, kayaking, uh, sailing, surfing, diving, on the beach, doing games, having great food, etc., etc., and spend your time under the sun. Um, what we quickly realized is that it is essential that we add much more value to this experience mm -hmm. by also giving them the academic foundation that they need to have to understand what's going on on this planet and also to give them instruments and tools to learn more about it and take calibrated and weighed decisions about what they want to do in the future with their lives, right? Mm -hmm. So we started to talk to the schools and what's happening now is that we developed programs uh, that are based on the British NYAA and Duke of Edinburgh system or the uh, International Baccalaureate uh, system where we have the uh, CAS components mm -hmm. for creativity, action and service. Um, making sure that throughout the year we have projects going on at these schools in the classrooms as well with guest speakers, keynote speakers, professors, adventurers um, to, to help them, you know, to put value to geography, biology, mm -hmm. physics, etc., etc. Um, that is one thing. The other component um, which is coming to fruition right now is that we decided to uh, um, form a strategic alliance with a uh, foundation that is active in Indonesia, uh, in the uh, Riau group of islands, uh, mm -hmm. specifically the Anambas Islands, where we are making connections between schools, mm -hmm and local people. Um, many of the children that grow up in Singapore, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, especially the ones that go to these um, well-known private schools, mm. uh, are getting a few hundred dollars per month in pocket money. When you go to the Anambas Islands, 
there are households and families that earn between 120 to 150 dollars per month for a whole household and they have to sustain life with this all these people um, have been fishing for hundreds or thousands of years mm -hmm. they are sea gypsies and the oceans are, are being emptied mm. so recently we went on an expedition to this region um, to connect with, with local villagers and also to do expedition dives to find out what the state of, of the uh, oceans around the Anambas Islands mm. is and we discovered beautiful pristine coral reefs mm. but without fish um, all these people have been taught is to fish mm -hmm. and all they eat is white rice and dried fish so um, you know this is all being ran down at the moment and they are getting in a tougher and tougher and tougher spot so one of our core objectives is not only to create a positive outlook for children on the future of this planet and the oceans but also to motivate and stimulate them to do something tangibly good for all these mm. poor people that mm. are living in these remote areas in mm. Southeast Asia, mm. making connections between the schools and these islands, um, create vocational training opportunities for the local villagers mm. to, to, to understand English and vice versa to mm -hmm. start learning Bahasa Indonesia for the Singaporean kids. Yeah, okay. Um, give them dive education, leisure and tourism training so they can find employment throughout Indonesia where we have 18,000 islands and make five, six, seven times more income than they make today in a non-destructive way. So this is one of our Trojan horses, as I call it, right? So wow. these are activities that we are trying to develop um, and, and it's now really starting to take uh, shape and form. So it's an integrated educational experience that adds a lot of value to their life and to their memories when they grow up. And hopefully it will stimulate them to, you know, do good from the get-go as mm. soon as they graduate mm. and not wait 30 years like I did, right? Yeah, and not only educate, uh, you know, the green leaders in Singapore, but actually go out and, and educate where it's all happening. Yeah. Um, it's very, very positive. Um, I just want to get back to when you, when you are educating the kids here, because obviously you haven't gotten to the next stage just yet. Um, what, are, what are the... When do you find that they become really engaged? When, because you said before that that the kids have a different perspective than the adults, um, which is very refreshing. Um, what do you find when you, when you are teaching? What kind of questions? When do you find that they become very engaged? Well, well, well what I did is um, <coughs> since my 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 track record and my curriculum were mainly associated with doing business um, in a technical business to business mm -hmm. atmosphere. Um, I first decided to write a book about how I grew up and about my mission and what I want to achieve. Yep. Um, I discovered that um, not only children but many adults are completely blind to core problems that are taking place at the moment on the planet. Mm -hmm. So we did a research project with, with, with our staff um, and we gathered uh, 5 million words in research on five specific oceanic problems okay and then we worded that in a book um, where we made sure that let's say anybody from 8 to 88 can read it mm. and in the book we have a lot of facts about 200 facts about dramatic things that are happening on the oceans in the oceans and today. illustrations right? and illustrations yeah. that we had make, made associated with those facts yeah just to increase the awareness levels mm -hmm. and also to establish a footprint um, in this market space 
so people would start to recognize us because of the book and because yeah. of everything that we that we wrote down in it, right? What I noticed very quickly is that when you start talking with children and when you do keynote speeches for schools and teachers, is that it is very easy to connect with them mm-hmm. because if you are sincere and um, talk about you know your dream and, and, and the things that you want to solve, they very quickly get connected with what you were talking about because yeah. they have connection points at home on their vacations, how they grow up, etc., etc., yeah. with what I'm talking about and writing about. Um, they ask uh, fantastic questions. What, like, can you come with some examples? Well, um, you know, uh, some children immediately start working on solution, uh, problem solving, mm-hmm. right? Um, they ask me how they can help me. Uh, there was one 12-year-old girl, Jade, from New Zealand, uh, who within 14 days after a speech that I did at Dulwich, uh, prepared her whole uh, own website called uh, Save Our Seas. And her only objective was to see how she could help Orca to do what we want to do uh, as fast as possible. Wow. And she's only 12. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, other children uh, started uh, to ask if they could raise money for specific uh, charities or NGOs. Mm-hmm. Um, other kids uh, started to design you know, equipment and machines uh, in their mind and on paper okay. uh, that might help us to clean up the oceans. Um, there's one girl... Um, who decided that she wants to become a marine biologist uh, specializing in prosthetic limbs for wounded dolphins. Um, There's a whole bunch of things happening. (laughs) There was one boy whose parents have a few resorts in the Maldives. Mm. He goes to a very fancy school in Singapore and he's suddenly uh, connected with the massive plastic problem and Mm. garbage problem that we have in the Maldives. The Maldives, for outsiders, is a fantastic region Mm. with five, six, seven-star resorts um, but what many people don't know and don't see is that there's a tremendous waste problem yeah. and many resorts get rid of their waste in unsustainable ways, yeah. dumping it in, in the Maldives itself, in yeah. the ocean, right? Because there's not a lot of land and the land that we have over there is sinking, right? Yeah. Or the ocean levels are rising. Yeah. So there's many, many, many things that, um, that, that, that children uh, associate with mm-hmm. and, and, and gives them energy and motivation to help. Um, one of my core objectives from the beginning was that I find it very easy to connect with children mm-hmm. and to talk to them and build up a relationship with them. It's much tougher for me to do that with their parents mm-hmm. because they have their set ways of thinking and doing stuff, right? And they are always too busy. Yeah. Um, when they are confronted with big problems, most adults put all their faith and hope in governments mm-hmm. and NGOs and they should solve the big issues, mm-hmm. right? And I believe that that is not necessarily happening Mm -hmm. today. What the children now are doing, and this is again a a Trojan horse effect, as I call it, they connect with Orca, Orca Nation, and with what we are doing, they bring home our book, uh, put it on the coffee table at home, and the kids are now starting to re-educate their parents. Yes, I'm finding that too. (laughs) Yeah, the only pain point that many adults have uh, are their children. Yeah. The children typically are able to break through these uh, barriers and mm. bolts with their parents. Mm. And when the kids are worried about something, that normally triggers the parents to, to listen and yeah. to maybe start thinking about it as well. Yeah. So I do that really on purpose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's the way um, the kids are the way it's to the parents, basically. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that um, talking to a lot of friends at the moment, that they are 
telling me, uh, because I'm in this space, you know, that uh, their kids are telling them off, you know, if they have a straw, or if they, you know, get a cup and not, don't bring their own cup and stuff. So, so it looks like, yeah, we, we've got a, a new generation coming, obviously very much helped by you um, educating them. Um, so I know that you once said that you're a little bit, I wouldn't say down, but you're, you're, when you look back at uh, what you could have studied, that you would have liked to have been a marine biologist, and you spent all these years in the corporate world. But I have to say, when I look at your business and what you've done with it, it, it seems very much like your path hasn't been so ba bad after all, because you've had a different approach with the, with the experience that you've had previously. Yes, yeah, so um, I think that is a good thing that only came later, mm. the first few years. I was just regretting totally mm. that I, let's say, wasted 20 or 25 years of my life um, being a career guy, uh, becoming a CEO, uh, traveling around the planet in business class and, and making money and bonuses and stuff like that yeah. and getting completely used to that. Um, <laughs> and I looked at that in a very negative way. Mm. It's not that I don't like money, don't get me wrong, mm. but um, that was really, at the end of the day, maybe my main focus. Mm to make money and salary and profit for the company and profit for myself, right? Yeah. Um, now, in hindsight, I think I can be happy because the company that I started, um, um, even though it is still relatively small, um, uh, has fundamental things in the core strategy and organization that I put in that um, come straight from my business experience. Yeah. When I look at younger people starting startups from scratch um, they have great ideas and a lot of energy but maybe not necessarily the right financial and, and, and operational background and knowledge to startup companies so no. a big example for me is what happened with Uber uh, which turned into a, a unicorn company mm. uh, with billions of revenue mm. but with a completely sick and wrong culture yeah. um, in many many ways and now they are facing tremendous downsides of, of having started something that exploded and grew very fast yeah. without necessarily doing the right things from a fundamental point of view. Yeah. And that is what we are trying to do yeah. in, uh, in Orca. So we are already implementing uh, software systems and tools and organizational um, mechanisms that will allow us and enable us uh, down the road in the next few years to grow and scale up mm. faster mm. because we already have systems in place and maybe this is the good thing um, that came with my background and the yeah. fact that I was working for, for multinationals that were building factories and running big organizations with many, many employees. Yeah. So I know the value of systems. And in that way, you know, it's you've been, you're very lucky that you have that background and, and a lot of especially, you know, the kids that you, you were talking about before who will soon be older and wanting to start their own businesses um, will might fall into the trap that, that many sustainable businesses fall into, that they aren't financially sustainable. They just have, you know, a really nice mission, but they can't actually get it to work because of lack of finances. Um, so for someone who doesn't have, you know, the background that you have and the corporate background, um, and, and maybe find it extremely hard to finance and execute and scale, like you're able to, do you have any advice for, for these sustainable entrepreneurs? Yeah, what, what, I, what I never realized is that um, since I started moving into this, uh, uh, into this space, um, you know, uh, because of the book, um, because of interviews that I did, mm. um, and, and because of the network that we were able to build up, I met many, many uh, tremendously nice people. Yeah. 
um, both in the um, B2B atmosphere, but also uh, people in the startup scene. Yeah. Um, what I never realized in the past was how big and how strong of a global entrepreneurial um, support mechanism there is available mm. today. There are many organizations, uh, for-profit, but also government-driven organizations that are available to help young people, yeah. um, to um, help them to get a stronger focus on their business model, to help them to uh, look at the feasibility, mm. to help them with uh, funding mm. uh, and grants, as long as you have a good idea with mm. a solid plan. Mm. Um, there are all kinds of mechanisms available uh, for these young people. There are also many experienced um, older entrepreneurs and business people that are dedicating a part of their time mm. to help uh, young people, right? Yeah. Uh, incubator um, uh, programs and, and yeah, all kinds of, of, of bodies and organizations. Yeah. So I think it's very important when you have a great idea and a, and a strong motivation and a passion that you spend a serious amount of your time in looking at these support mechanisms as well to mm. see how you can make them work for mm. you, right? So reaching out for help, basically. I just um, have one more question now that you you talked about inspiring kids. You have kids of your own, uh, yes. quite old ones. Um, they've, they've seen you sort of uh, transform your journey into the one that we see today with Orca. Um, do you find that... Are you telling them not to make the same mistakes as you, or, or I, I, you know, are they inspired by your journey and wanting to kind of do the same? Or can you tell us just a little bit? Of, I'm curious to hear about it's your very own difficult kids. To talk about my own kids um, <laughs> because the relationship that parents have with their kids is very special. Yes. So I have a fantastic relationship, I think, with both of my kids, my yeah. Lucas, my son, and Sophie, my daughter. Um, they are uh, today. Uh, I th I would say extremely supportive and, and I even dare to say that it seems that they are proud okay but when I started um, I think it was very tough mm. because they grew up in a very protected world um, where they always went to fantastic schools mm. um, since they were born they traveled business class because my employers were sponsoring the tickets mm. and they were completely used to that lifestyle yeah. a, a lifestyle with big houses uh, cars, uh, chauffeurs, uh, maids, poolmen, uh, mm. gardeners, etc. etc. <laughs> so, and when you are born like that, you get used to it mm. and you think it's normal, right? Yeah. So when, when um, my oil and gas business uh, took a very serious hit in 2014, 2015 because of the global oil and gas crisis, uh, at the same time I had started up Orca as a hobby project on the site. Um, um, I was put under a lot of pressure mm. with my spouse to make dramatic lifestyle changes yep. and those lifestyle changes were predominantly focused on cost cutting mm. in our private mm. sphere mm. Um, that means that we uh, moved uh, into a very small uh, apartment mm. relatively speaking to what we were used to yeah. um, we had two cars, we sold the cars mm. um, we changed our lifestyle habits um, we cancelled our planned vacation trips mm. and stuff like that yeah. so I would say over the past two years or so that had a tremendous impact on our private life yeah. but the great thing that came out of this is that the kids are still super happy yeah. they still go to the same school mm. which is fundamental uh, in, 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 in how they are going to study and learn mm. down the road and in the future and mm. opportunities that they will get because of the education mm. that they were able to uh, celebrate right? and it also showed us that um, 
it sounds maybe like a cliche, mm. but it is really important that it showed us that you are capable to still have a very nice life with a healthy family. We still go on vacation mm. with different types of vacation. Mm. And as a family, I would say uh, we might even have gotten closer because of this. Um, it took a few years to go through this process, mm. but I would say today um, they are proud. Mm. Um, and I think it also inspired them to um, start thinking in a different way about what they are going to do in the future and how they are going to study and mm. what they are going to do with what they learn when they graduate. And, the, and they don't have to pursue the financially secure way, but they can uh, also follow their dreams, which you really yeah. ended up doing. The dream you had when you were a little boy yeah. is, uh, is now really happening. Um, yeah, and I think what is really important, um, uh, especially in 2018, is that there are so many new opportunities and methodologies and ways of thinking out mm. of the box that enable people to make a very successful career mm. doing what they love, right? Mm. Whether it is uh, with the famous uh, YouTubers, mm. uh, people that are sailing around the planet, mm. filming what they are doing and making millions of dollars, <laughs> yeah. right? That sounds like a dream. Yeah. So my, my, my son is to, to completely passionate about a couple they have a YouTube series called La Vagabond and they are sailing around the planet mm. and they started doing this a few years ago and yeah. I think they are making hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars doing yeah. what they do and they love it and everything yeah. is sponsored for yeah. it's one big never ending thing. and a lot of other people are trying to do the same now yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Th th there are all kinds of options yeah. and opportunities yeah. uh, available because of our changed communication yeah. uh, systems uh, both uh, video and audio mm. the internet mm. um, Easy, easy traveling, etc., etc. Yeah. So, yeah. I think if you are passionate about something, you pursue it, yeah. and then I think the, uh, as I said, the financial remuneration is successful following the jet stream of your passion. I think this is a nice way to uh, end the interview. Um, a lot of inspiration, uh, I think, uh, both for parents, uh, but also any young people and future entrepreneurs listening to this. Thank you so much, uh, much Jeroen, and um, we look forward to following your next adventures with Orca. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If you're passionate about something, you pursue it. Simple as that. Hopefully you found Jeroen's journey as inspiring as I did. I think the first time I spoke to Jeroen was about six months ago, and what he's achieved since then and overall on his journey with Orca is mind-blowing. And believe me, you haven't heard half of it on this podcast. There's a lot of plans on the drawing board. Thank you for listening to our fifth podcast. Please rate and review our channel on iTunes so a lot more people can hear these great conversations with our amazing green frontrunners. Thank you for listening to us at Okayana. Bye-bye.